In this video, I want to look at Muhammad upon whom be peace and the mystical quest, otherwise known as Sufism. And for our guide, I want to read a few words from this excellent little book called Muhammad, a very short introduction by Professor Jonathan A.C. Brown, who had the immense privilege of talking to just a few days ago on blogging theology. And as I'm sure you know, he's a professor of Islamic studies at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. And now, Bowie, this book published by Oxford University Press is a great present, a great gift to non-Muslims who might want to know more about the religion of Islam, its history, how it's understood by Muslims and by Western scholars. It's a very fair-minded, objective account, I think, of the whole subject. So I do recommend it for that too. Now, I want to look at a, a brief section that he has written called Muhammad and the Mystical Quest which is very, very interesting. And also just a few paragraphs, Encountering Muhammad in Dreams, which I think is very interesting. So um, Professor uh, Jonathan Brown writes, Islam has always possessed a strong mystical dimension that underscores the absolute contrast between the ultimate reality of God and the transience of his creation. As the Quran says, all things perish except the face of God. That's Quran 28:68. Sufism, the Islamic mystical tradition, has affirmed that creation is nothing more than an ephemeral reflection of God's magnificence. Ephemeral meaning just passing, just a shadow, just a reflection of God's magnificence, his glory. Man's greatest accomplishment is to penetrate the veil of this world and become annihilated in God in this life. As Sufis often say, to die before you die. For Muslim mystics, true piety and God consciousness, taqwa, means seeing God's beauty revealed in every object in this world. The pinnacle of human awareness is to know God more and more intimately through his signs and perfectly reflect his attributes. To achieve this profound understanding is to, be, is to completely reconnect with the source of all existence and fulfill the deepest yearnings of the soul. So Brown here is talking about Sufism. This is the motivation and the trajectory of Sufism, moving towards God in the annihilation of the soul. He continues, this mystical worldview was first organized into a systematic cosmology or view of the universe by the seminal Sufi Ibn Arabi, very famous Muslim uh, writer and intellectual. He died in 1240 of the Christian era who divides the conception of creation as a reflection of God's attributes. Now, by the way, I've read, I've tried to read around this subject in other books, and this summary by Brown is actually some of the best and clearest uh, summaries I've read of Ibn Arabi's thought, which I found particularly difficult to grasp. So all, all credit to Brown here for giving a, a quite a lucid summary, I think, although very brief, of Arabi's thought. And Arabi cites, he says, a hadith in which the prophet supposedly quoted himself. 
I think Brown said supposedly because I know from another book that Brown wrote, wrote on Hadith that this Hadith is actually unreliable. But anyway, Arabi, Ibn Arabi quotes this Hadith. I was a hidden treasure and I wanted to be known. So I created the world and it knew me. Brown continues, every component of the cosmos and the natural world mirrors God's endless beauty, order, and creative capacity. The capstone of creation is mankind, which alone is capable of reflecting God's most essential attribute, his unity. The human soul embodies the multiplicity of the cosmos, but can also bring them into balance and proper proportion. A person who has achieved this state is the consummate reflection of God's perfection. This is the perfect human, uh, the ultimate knower of God, for, who, for which God created the universe itself. So Brown here is summarizing Ibn Arabi's philosophy. Similarly, each of the great prophets sent throughout history reflected one of God's attributes, such as his power, creativity, or mercy. They culminated in Muhammad, whom the Quran calls the seal of the prophets. He was the perfect human par excellence, in other words, exceedingly so, the greatest, the most excellent human the flawless reflection of God who represented the goal sought by all mystical seekers of truth. His timeless essence, this is Muhammad's timeless essence, which Ibn Arabi called the Muhammadan reality. Now this phrase, Muhammadan reality, is a, a key term in Ibn Arabi's thought. This timeless essence was the eternal reality of the perfect human in the world and the whole purpose of creation. See, a very exalted status here given to Muhammad upon whom be peace. In Sufism then, Brown writes, Muhammad ceases to be a mere mortal. It's worth repeating. According to Professor Jonathan Brown, in Sufism then, Muhammad ceases to be a mere mortal. Behind and above Muhammad, the man, is Muhammad the cosmic reality, the cosmic reality. Practitioners of Sufism phrased this belief in several hadith attributed falsely, says Professor Brown, to Muhammad, such as the prophet's words to his companion Jabir. The first thing that God created was the light of your prophet, O Jabir. Another admittedly unreliable hadith quotes the prophet as telling that he existed as light 2,000 years before Adam was even created. The timelessness of the Mohammedan reality, that phrase again, is demonstrated as the prophet explains that, there's another quote, God sent me down to the earth in the loins of Adam and made me of the loins of, Lo of Noah, placing me in the loins of Abraham, and God did not cease moving me through the noble and pure wombs until he brought me forth from my parents. So Muhammad himself, his, this Mohammedan reality, went through all of the prophets, um, sent down to earth and through Adam until he 
came forth from the loins of his parents. The Prophet's ascension to heaven has provided a compelling model for Sufi mystical experiences. Reflecting the prophetic example, several prominent Muslim mystics experienced ascensions to heaven in a dream state. The famous Iranian mystic Al-Bistami died 874 of the Christian era, dreamt that he was elevated up through the seven heavens, encountering the temptations of bliss in paradise at every stage. Like the earthly challenge of continually purifying one's behavior and spirit as one progresses along the Sufi path, however, Al-Bistami realized that he must forego these luxuries to move closer to God. Eventually, Al-Bistami arrives at the highest heaven and encounters the spirit of Muhammad and the mystical presence of God. So that ends the section in this book on uh, Sufism, basically, Muhammad and the mystical quest. There's just a very short further section uh, entitled Encountering Muhammad in Dreams, which is fascinating. And Professor Jonathan Bowne writes, In a famous hadith, Muhammad is reported to have said, Whoever sees me in a dream, it is as if they had seen me while awake. Based on this report, Muslim scholars acknowledge the reality of dream encounters with the Prophet. Visions of him in dreams of Muslim scholars and laymen alike remain common today. As we saw with al-Bistami, for mystics encountering Muhammad in a dream is a means for gaining mystical understanding. It could also influence Muslim scholars in their writings and legal rulings. In the 18th century, a Muslim scholar ruled, and this is very interesting, that smoking tobacco should be discouraged after the Prophet appeared to him in a dream and told him that he did not like how Aisha, that's one of the wives of the Prophet, smelled when she smoked. And Brown Riley comments, of course, tobacco did not appear in the Near East until nine centuries after the Prophet's death. During the Crusades, a Muslim prisoner who had escaped from his Frankish captors, that's the region in France, told how his chains had been loosened by the Prophet in a dream. Some Muslim scholars believe that one can even see the Prophet during waking hours, Although, as the great Egyptian scholar Ibn al-Hajj, died 1336, said, this is a narrow door. Strict laws of obligation or prohibition, however, cannot be based on dreams, according to Islamic legal theory. That's the end of that quote. Now, there is a, a further fascinating section uh, called uh, Muhammad in popular Islamic religion, um, which is actually worth uh, looking at, and also a section on Maulid celebrating Muhammad's birthday. Now, perhaps I'll leave that till another time, but uh, I do recommend uh, this book, as I say, as a, as a gift or a present to non-Muslims seeking to have a really good academic, scholarly understanding of Islam uh, and the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, upon whom be peace. Until next time.